0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your phone calls on the college hoops, NFL, NBA, and other headlines of the day a little bit later this hour. Joining us now, as promised, she is an outstanding writer for The Athletic and The Athletic Carolina, covering the Carolina Hurricanes and the NHL, despite the fact that she recently described Josh Graham's show in the triad as her favorite show to do (laughs) as a radio guest Despite that, we bring back into the program Sarah Sivian of The Athletic. Welcome back, Sarah. How are
1: you? I'm great, but you know what, TG? You just got to have me on more, and maybe I'll change my mind.
0: Clearly, we all got a test of our jealousy bone and we all failed that test, but no, you're good to all of us out here in sports radio land. I'm just goofing around, but I am willing to have you on more often now that we have so many things to talk about. I mean, holy cow, since we last chatted, the Canes have a stadium series game outdoors next year. The David Ayers story has come and gone. There was a trade deadline remake, and we've got to ask you about what all these new dudes mean and why we sent some other people away. Uh, You had the recent player's mom's trip, so let's start there because that's kind of fun and less intense as you spoke to all of these canes players moms uh about how they're enjoying things now but also some stories from yesteryear how did they summarize like what is the best part of being a hockey mom before we get to this crazier stuff
1: uh just watching their kids play hockey um even today every day it never gets old they said i mean i was asking them i went in a circle just kind of asking what's the best part of being a hockey mom and mrs williams said watching our sons play right and everybody just said yes yes that and also uh, sandy flurry said just watching the fruits of their labor they've worked so hard for this and everything finally paying off she has two sons in the nhl so she she's, she's a busy person for a few years there and it never stops but she gets to experience like their joy now and that's just awesome
0: I've always liked how you blend in, like people slash human being angles, with all of your hockey knowledge. With that in mind, have you detected? Because you've met the dads too from the Kane's dads trips. Like, is there like if if we love Jordan Martinook as the human Marty Party? Can you look at either mom or dad and see like how and why he turned out this way? Or Justin Williams, same thing. Do you see a lot of parent-child comparisons that uh, help explain the young men?
1: Okay, Mark Martinuk is Jordan Martinuk. He's his dad. But um, Mrs. Williams, I I asked her when she knew that Justin was special, and she just sarcastically said, like, he had this glow around him when he was born. And she was just, like, I'm just kidding. And that was classic Justin. I think they're both pretty sassy. So I enjoyed that. You could definitely see him and her.
0: The Stadium Series game is coming. That is a big deal. We are the first Southeastern market to get at one of these NHL outdoor games. I think you used the word relentless to describe the Canes' pursuit of this. Is this mainly a relatively new owner Tom Dundon pursuit, or like you know, did it take an army to build that village kind of thing?
1: Well, Gary Bettman said Tom Dundon was relentless, and yes, it was mostly him. I think he pioneered it. He showed them NC State he was really militant kind of about because it's important and he sees how this would be the best tailgate of all time and the fans deserve it after all they've bought in you know what I mean and but at the same time I was talking to Gary Bettman and he said NC State has been awesome and very compliant and none of this would have happened without NC State's cooperation so I think that's important too.
0: Sarah Sivian, you can follow her on Twitter at Sarah Sivian. Be nice to her there. Also, find her work at The Athletic and The Athletic Carolina. I know we all deal with a certain level of stuff. You have a you have a weirder, longer list of stalkers and other crazy cheap shot artists. It's really bizarre. Oh, I, I feel bad for you sometimes in that regard. Um, you have had cool stories to to follow. Like I love your hockey intensive stuff. But just as someone who is so close to the Canes organization and and covering it all day every day, man, you're two years in a row where I think not only have either the storm surge or bunch of jerks or now the David Ayer story, man, the Canes are on like the late show with Stephen Colbert. They're on the Today Show. Uh, How many of these stories do you even see in any given hockey season? Because we're now back-to-back with the Canes being huge parts of these stories that are bigger than hockey.
1: It's funny because this stuff keeps happening and then the marketing team jumps right on it in the perfect way, like donating money to um, a local kidney, I forget exactly what it is, but um, with the shirts and just kind of making sure that they capture the moment so well and it's it's like everything's such a whirlwind, but it does seem like this franchise has been blessed with some weird good things the past few years after a decade of misery. So you know what? They deserve it.
0: And when exactly did you show up? Do we get to say the decade of misery was mostly before you, and then the two years of fun is like your version of the Marty Party? I mean, wh- where's that line of distinction?
1: Yeah, everyone keeps saying you have no idea what it was like back <laughs> in the day, like to cover this team. But uh, and then I'm spoiled, and I definitely am, and I it's never a shortage of stories to write about. So that's been awesome. I so I feel like. I made the best decision of my life coming here to cover the team. Very but cool. I know that it's not always going to be like this and that's okay
0: too that's great to hear anyway david ayers was our guest yesterday what was your favorite quote from him or your favorite part of his story because man i was watching on tv you were there in person to see his smile through the goalie mask i played goalie like i didn't even dream of playing in the nhl the guy's 42 years old a zamboni driver and even gives up goals on two of his first three shots and yet he still was smiling i was like holy cow this guy gets it what was your favorite part of that whole extravaganza
1: I think we were talking to Justin Williams about it uh, a few days ago, and he was kind of laughing about the fact that after the second, and um, David left, let in two goals and two shots, he said, okay, guys, I got this, and I could have had the last one. And they're just like, okay, man. like, <laughs> Sure, but it's fine. <laughs> just do your thing. Just have fun. And I, I love that he was kind of taking it seriously. I mean, of course he was, but at the same time, it's just such a ridiculous situation, and he's trying to be – kind of just a normal guy, as normal as he could be. I also love the world tour. I mean, he's like, I don't, how is he awake right now? He's hit after hit.
0: He was cool with us yesterday. He even told us off the air, hey, man, I'm so fried, I'm not sure what I'm going to say, right? I'm not even sure I'm going to understand your questions, but from the Today Show to Colbert to a whole lot of other media, TV, radio, et cetera, the David Ayer story has all sorts of tentacles now. Uh, Sarah Sivian joining us from The Athletic and The Athletic Carolina. What was the most important move at the trade deadline in your eyes as Caniacs had to say goodbye to Lucas Walmark? and others, uh, but we say hello to Vinny Trocheck, Brady Shea, who both made their debuts last night for the Canes, and at some point uh, another defenseman, Sammy Vatnan.
1: I think, obviously, bolstering the blue line after we're not sure the extent of Pesci's injury, but it seems long-term, and no Dougie for a while. I I think one more defenseman gone, and it's a, a catastrophe. So I think not one, but two solid defensemen. Um, the addition of those is absolutely crucial, but at the same time, the second uh, Trocek got traded, I got a million texts from people that know him, just because I went to Penn State, and he's from Pittsburgh, and everyone's just saying what a good character guy he is, and how it, he's also a good player, obviously, but just kind of, you see with that, like, after every trade the Canes do, and it's kind of like they trade for good people, and that's really important to them, so I I like that.
0: What makes Vinny Trocek a Rod Brindamore kind of guy? Because I've read that a few times, and uh, heck, you and I probably agree with Tom Dundon when he says, you know, the culture of this franchise has a lot to do with that Rod Brindamore guy. With uh, a 26-year-old centerman, Vinny Trocek, described by a lot of folks as a Brindamore guy, you know, how many branches does that tree have? What does that entirely mean?
1: Well I guess we can start with face offs He was he had the best of the game. I mean, you can't like micro obsess over stats of one game, but he had he won 12 and lost five last night. So Brendan Moore's throwing him right out there and I think that was the most face offs anyone took in the game. So he rose to that occasion and that's kind of exciting that Brendan Moore can kind of work with him on that because he was obviously a face off legend. but that and um, I mean, he's been, Jake Gardner, I think, said he can do it all. And when you look at his game yesterday, he was out in front of the net. He was cycling the puck on the power play. He was doing it all. So I think the two-way game might be what they're talking about. Also a good attitude.
0: Brady Shea had a little bit of a rough night last night. Given your time covering hockey, What is your best sort of overview for the casual fan when it comes to how long it takes a player to learn a new system? Because I've seen Shea, and he's a good player. He just looked a little bit like a fish out of water, you know, like somebody who's not really sure what the system is yet last night. But I've been encouraging fans not to reach for the panic button just because, uh, you know, that was sort of a rushed Thing where I don't even know to what degree he's had any time, practice or video style, uh, and that's a situation that's likely to get better, but what's that overview in your eyes?
1: Yeah, no, and he's been a ranger his entire career, so you just uproot and you're somewhere else, and then you have to go into a completely different system, but he got better as the game went on, for sure, and he led the game in shots, so he tied, but um, I think he, that was important for him to just kind of like start generating some more offense but um I think it depends player to player I mean we're seeing Jake Gardner have some of the best games of his career not his career his um his hurricane's career right now so I think for him it took a few months but now he's rounding into form and um I it's case by case but I think you definitely have to wait a few games
0: Sebastian Aho has mostly lived up to that big offer sheet. I'm not sure everybody oh, yeah. uh, understands the Andrei Svechnikov part of this equation. I, I see really interesting nuggets from time to time in your notes at The Athletic. Where in some cases Svechnikov's numbers, even as a guy who's still, I think, technically a teenager, right? Uh, in some cases, like he is making all-time NHL lists, uh, not just for his age, but in other contests, just tech- contexts, you know, just for how he's playing in, in even strength hockey, for example. What else have you seen there? Yeah,
1: you just never know what he's going to pull out of his top hat because he he does it, so called his top hat. He can do anything. It's just, and you know, Rod Brindamore, you know him. He is so hesitant to kind of give people, to pump people's tires because yeah. you don't want to do that too much, right? But he, whenever you talk to him about Svechnikov, it's the sky's the limit. And that's because Svechnikov is such a hard worker. I mean, he's always the last one on the ice. He just is constantly studying film. He wants to learn, and he's completely bought into everything Rod Brindamore is trying to teach him, so that on top of the fact that sometimes he'll just pull out these wacky lacrosse moves or even behind-the-leg shots is um, it's just so exciting.
0: I know this is oversimplifying things a little bit, but one way to look at the playoff postseason picture would be that there are three spots for five teams, right? If I threw, I'm not expecting the Capitals or the Penguins to come back to the pack in the, the Metro. So yeah. you would have the Flyers, the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, the Canes, and now the Rangers are relevant again. Um, what do you think of that sort of mini summary? And among those five teams—Flyers, Islanders, Canes, B- Blue Jackets, Rangers—you know, do you think the Canes have enough of what it takes to at least, correct, you know, be what is that f- three spots for those five t- teams? Grab one of those three spots.
1: I'm honestly scared about the goaltending right now. Um, I think I heard that they might be still trying to trade for one that, like, the rule is they can't play in the playoffs if they're traded after the deadline, but they could possibly get one until Mrazic and Reimer are back. But um, I mean, I like Ned, but I think this is a really extenuating circumstance, and I'm going to give him a few more games because obviously so much was going on yesterday. It was just an emotional time after they had put on the best performance that they had to of the season Um, i'm not really taking much stock into last night's game but i i would be worried if we're in the depth of a playoff push right now and um, a goaltender can't steal you a few games because it shouldn't be a new goaltender's responsibility to do that but it just kind of has to be right now you know
0: I'm with you on that. Uh, I was not expecting the Rangers to become relevant again. I know the Canes have played a few, uh, three fewer games than Columbus. W- would they, when you compare those five teams it, in your you know putting your money somewhere, are the Rangers and Columbus lesser teams than the Canes, the Flyers, and the Islanders? Or is it just, you know, even across the board in your eyes as we come down these final, what, 20 regular season games?
1: Well, yeah. It's hard to think of somebody on Columbus who isn't injured right now, and I mean that's been the story of the season for so many teams, and it makes you wonder if this is one of the most injured seasons for stars of all time. And sure it is, but I I think the Canes they have the skill, and that's what's been so frustrating because they just it seems like something hasn't clicked, and they're on and off um, certain games, and you don't know what to expect. But I think there's 20 games left; they have to start going on a streak here to prove that they are not the lesser team out of either of those teams.
0: Canes hosts Colorado on Friday, and then they are off uh, onto a two-week road trip, six road games, including the Flyers and the Islanders. Over a two week period where they will be away from PNC Arena. Get there if you can Friday night. A really good Colorado team visiting your new look, Carolina Hurricanes. You are our favorite NHL writer from The Athletic. Oh. So, uh, come on. <laughs> we're just trying to butter you up for future visits. Thanks for dropping <laughs> by. We always appreciate your wit and wisdom and hockey knowledge here on The David Glenn Show.
1: Anytime. Thanks so much,
0: DJ. You got it. On Twitter at Sarah Online, the Athletic and The Athletic Carolina. Phone calls the rest of the way. Duke falls at Wake Forest. Carolina beats NC State again, among other college basketball headlines. Where do the Devils go from here? Where does the Wolfpack go from here? More of your tweets and emails along those lines as well. NBA, NFL, and NHL all fair game. I got an up-close look at the new-look Hurricanes last night. They did lose 4-1 to to a really hot Dallas Stars team, but... Looking at that muck of teams in the middle of the Metro, I do think the Canes compare favorably at least to the degree that they have a great shot at getting those one of those three available slots for five teams in the Metro. Remember the way the rules work. There's eight playoff spots in the Eastern Conference, obviously, but it does not have to be four plus four. You, the top three in every division make it, But if you have lopsided divisions, which is the case this year, you can have five teams from the same division. You all know the Capitals are going to get one in the Metro. You all know the Penguins are going to get another. You could argue whether they'll be first and second or vice versa, but Washington and Pittsburgh ain't going away. Crosby's back. Ovechkin's for real. They're not going away. That leaves three more spots in the Metro. For five teams, the Rangers are relevant again. Columbus is injured and probably dropping. But for now, in the eighth and final Eastern Conference playoff spot, the Islanders are stunningly consistent and don't seem to be fading away. And my hometown, Philadelphia Flyers, right now are actually third in the Metro. And they've been playing good hockey lately as well. It's a crazy mix. Health does matter. Columbus is falling in that regard. The Canes are in danger to a degree in that regard. But it's, it's fun, as Sarah said, after a decade where the Canes were mostly irrelevant, this is the second year in a row there where they are plenty relevant, both on the ice and for reasons like the storm surge, bunch of jerks, and most recently, the David Ayers story. 1-800-849-2761. Questions and comments and complaints are all fair game. What should the Wolfpack fans be looking for the rest of the way? Part of it has to do with your own team and how it's playing, of course, but part of it has to do with things beyond your control. That story and more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome back yeah. to the David Glenn Show. Last year, 2
1: chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, 2 chains, And about five seconds after oh, he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings.
0: <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. I'm not getting emotional. It's tough when... Uh, you try really hard, focus, and try to give everything you have. And even though the coaching staff, we say that you can give more. But it's tough on the guy. I was really happy for them. Yeah, I'm happy for myself and all that kind of junk, too. But I was really happy for them. To uh, Yesterday's practice was ugly to start. And I chewed them out, and then we got better and better and better. And I told them that at day of shoot-around, uh, that at the practice end of yesterday, I felt a lot more comfortable. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A little Roy Williams for you. Last night... It was Wake over Duke in Winston-Salem. It was Carolina over State in Chapel Hill. Where do the Pack? Where does the Pack go from here? Where do the Devils go from here? Coach K repeated a theme when he said, "We show our youth so much. After 28 games, you'd hope we would be and play older by now." But we were not that tonight. Devils were up nine with a minute and a half to go in regulation. They let that get away, and they lose ultimately in double overtime 113 to 101. The stars for the Deeks included Brandon Childress, but really all five starters did really good things. Thanks to Danny Manning for dropping by earlier. As we go to Pat in Chapel Hill and other phone calls on the NFL, NBA, NHL, and a whole lot of college basketball headlines of the day. Carolina's stars in that sweep of state, at least last night in Chapel Hill, the stars were... Freshman point guard Cole Anthony, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, a couple of steals, 7 for 12 from the field. That means he's not shooting recklessly. That means the... Heels are not running late in the shot clock, so they have to ask Cole Anthony to make something out of nothing time after time after time. That's been a recipe for disaster to this point, and a big reason why the heels are 11 and 17 at this stage and dead last in the ACC despite the win, 4 and 13 in conference play. Christian Keeling was really good off the bench. Garrison Brooks was really good in the post. 30 points, 9 rebounds. The Wolfpack is not a great post team. The Wolfpack is not a great rebounding team. Florida State exploited that. Carolina exploited that. It, you, you get to the free throw line more when you have more traditional post players and guys who like to drive to the bucket. Who gets to the foul, foul line the most? Winning teams get there a lot driving perimeter players get there a lot and true post players get there a lot. The Seminoles did that to the pack one way. The Tar Heels did it a different way. Cole Anthony and Garrison Brooks in different ways, very tough to stop. Your questions, comments, and complaints are welcome now at 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Patton Chapel Hill, where does the pack go from here? I call it win and watch. The win part means, of course, duh, Take care of Pitt when they visit Raleigh. Take care of Wake when they visit Raleigh. You are better than both of those teams. You showed how good you can be by beating Duke by 22 points at PNC Arena. Jeff Capel has a well-coached Pitt team, but it's not overflowing with talent. And Danny Manning has a Wake team that has beaten Duke and Carolina. But at your place, if you really think you're an NCAA tournament team, and I think the pack is, you got to beat Pitt and wake at your place. Even if you lose at Duke, which would be no embarrassment, you still have five quad one wins. You would show up in Greensboro with a good chance to punch your ticket with more victories there to the NCAA tournament. Missing the NCAA tournament twice in your first three years would have Kevin Keats' program painted one way, making it two of your first three years after making it a couple years in a row at UNC Wilmington. That paints Kevin Keats' as a guy you expect to see in the big dance. And I know life on the bubble can be nail-biting, but the reality is if you figure out a way to get it done, you already know State has a good recruiting class on the way, and Kevin Keats would be able to pitch to even future recruits for further down the road. Yeah, man, I go to the NCAA tournament all the time. The different feel of back-to-back NIT trips – Compared to, yeah, I made it in my first year, I made it in my third year, I barely missed it in my second year. It's not night and day difference, but y'all know, you know, perception can be reality. And for Kevin Keats to build this program where he wants to take it, more Florida State-like, as he said, more length, more athleticism, more transition, more depth, he doesn't have that right now. The only way you can recruit at the level that Leonard Hamilton has recruited over the last decade or so is to convince the next generation of recruits that, yes, we're going to be a regular NCAA tournament participant this next week and a half, obviously huge for NC State. And for Duke, where do you go from here? You got to get back to what Coach K says is playing as an older version of yourself. I mean, he's not even using some of his veterans. When Duke lost at Wake, that was 50 minutes of basketball, 5-0. Veteran big guy Jack White played one minute. Veteran big guy Javin Delarier played four minutes. So the theoretical Blue Devils, who were a mix of four talented freshmen, but a bunch of experienced guys, well, not the way Kay's using his rotation right now. I mean, it was Matthew Hurt, another freshman getting the most minutes off the bench. It was Vernon Carey Jr., Wendell Moore Jr., and uh, Cassius Stanley, three of your five starters were freshmen. Trey Jones is only a sophomore. That's a lot of youth. And now Coach K has said it four different times. Stephen F. Austin at Clemson, home against Louisville, and last night at Wake Forest. He has pointed to youth and inexperience of his own team or the age and wisdom and experience of the opponent or both. As he said, 28 games in, you're not allowed to look young anymore. Letting that lead get away last night made the Devils look young. Vern Carey Jr. fouling out in only 19 minutes made the Devils look young. Jordan Goldwire is actually not young, but he is, while a veteran player, relatively new to the kind of minutes that he's getting, he was not good last night. He was an offensively deficient player. He had maybe the worst turnover of the game that enabled the Deacs to come from nine down with a minute and a half to go to push it to overtime. He looked like a young player in that moment. Vernon Carey Jr. looked like a young player. Four of the top six Devils are true freshmen. That is either going to be their downfall or they're going to learn from mistakes like this as still one of the highest ranked teams in America. Patton Chapel Hill has hockey on his mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Uh, David, appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Just drive into uh, Greenville to see my daughter play some flags with your uh, buddy Jack's daughter as well. Uh, awesome! They're fired up, fired up for that. Have fun, David. Um, a couple questions for you. Uh, first, I mean, who do you think that the Hurricanes are going to play in the outdoors series? Yeah. Your number one pick for where are going to play. Yeah, my guess is the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's there's the natural Jim Rutherford, former Kings GM, now Penguins GM. Uh, some Washington Capitals officials have been quoted saying they don't believe it's them. Now, I don't know. Maybe they didn't know at the time. Maybe that could change. But a lot of Canes fans would love to see either Washington or Pittsburgh. And remember, because this is a major TV event, the, the NHL did not create these, these outdoor games You know, just for the heck of it. It's to draw attention. It's to provide quality TV matchups for their national TV partners. So I don't think you can give the Canes, who are a smaller market, non-traditional market franchise, I don't think you can give them just anybody and expect the hockey fans of North America to automatically tune in just because it's an outdoor game at a college football stadium in Carter-Finley Stadium. So I'm hoping Penguins. um, I haven't seen enough to completely close the door on Capitals, and those two jump out, I think, as two of the better options for TV purposes. Cool. And my second question is, I have a bar in Chapel Hill, as you're aware of. Yes. And I've always wanted to hang a Duke jersey in there or a state jersey just because of the history of Carolina basketball. And my Carolina buddies are telling me, no way. I was thinking of getting the jersey of the you know, the new anniversary jersey of Carolina, have Roy sign that, get the Duke, have Coach K sign that, back-to-back, up in the bar. But my friends from Chapel Hill are telling me, no way. What do you think hmm. of that? See, I'm more of a renaissance man like you are, Pat. Some people just can't get over that petty, narrow-minded rivalry stuff. Now, if I remember correctly, you're kind of a transplant. So you are in Chapel Hill, so you're surrounded by that lighter shade of blue. But it's not like you grew up with light blue on the walls of your bedroom or anything, right? Correct. All right. So I say let him eat cake, man. If Pat in (laughs) Chapel Hill wants to have his... Uh, Darren, have you been to that man cave? Yeah, on the tailgate tour. It's a hell of a man cave, man. It's one of the best man caves I have ever seen. I say you and your lovely and talented wife are the only opinions that matter. And if your boys want to give you a hard time, let them give you a hard time. That is your man cave, my friend. You'd handle it the way you want to handle it.
1: Okay, appreciate it, man. Have a good
0: day. (laughs) You got it. Support from afar from the host of the David Glenn Show. You on board with me there, Darren? I get the vibe. I mean, when you when you yeah, hang around I mean, Duke w- people, they don't want to see light blue anywhere. Right. When you hang around Carolina people, they don't want to see royal blue anywhere. Pat's man cave, by the way, is multi-dimensional. I mean, that dude has traveled the globe. I don't even know if there's anything left on his sports bucket list. I get paid to do this, and I think his travels are more interesting than mine. It's ridiculous. And for what it's worth, in any other sport that's featured – in the, the 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 garage bar man cave hybrid whatever you want to yeah. refer to it as, uh, I don't think there are heavy allegiances in oh, any a, other sport, right? I mean, those, it's, it's a it's potpourri pretty, of colors. Yeah, it's a potpourri of like minor league, major league. It's a potpourri. It's not like, I mean, he's based in Chapel Hill. I believe he's he would describe himself as fond of the Tar Heels. Can we say that? Yeah, I think he so. A, he, he had a lot of pe- he had a lot of Carolina people at his big tailgate tour victory, uh, whatever that was, a couple years ago. Yeah, including former UNC football players that were there, and I think that was that the day that Nick Wiler delivered. The 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 cleat that was on his foot that kicked the game winner against Florida State. Nick Weiler hit the field goal, (laughs) and then was that a temporary donation to the Pat Man? I don't know. It might still be hanging hanging there. there? I don't know. I mean, there were Carolina athletes and former athletes there. There were um, there was light blue in other rooms of the house. I remember as we were giving away the tailgate of the week prize. Um, but I've seen him root for Wake Forest. He's going to ECU to re- root for the Pirates. Didn't he just say that? I mean, clearly he is a renaissance man when it comes to his sports allegiances. I don't know. Just because you live in Chapel Hill, you're not supposed to have any royal blue anywhere in that room? How many colors do you think were in that room? We have photos at BigTailgateTour.com. There, there's, there are helmets from schools that aren't even in this state, Yeah. right? I mean, you're going to get old minor league. He's probably got like Ohio State and Michigan represented in there somewhere. He probably got Alabama and Auburn represented in there somewhere. It's, it's fantastic. I don't know how, aren't there TV shows that display like the unforgettable things that you can encounter on your sports travels? I know there's a travel network and there's all sorts of sports networks. Is there a sports travel show? There has to be. If so, Pat in Chapel Hill has got to be featured there, man. Make sure we put his wife on the screen a lot more than Pat, you know, just to boost ratings. (laughs) He knows I'm just goofing around. 1-800-849-2761. Three great guests in the books. Last call for phone calls on the other side. College basketball is front and center. March Madness is on our doorstep. It's also a huge day in the National Football League. If the player's vote goes the way many think it will, We are guaranteed 11 more years of labor peace in the most popular sport in America. More on that and what's going on at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Meanwhile, I have never seen this before, although I've gotten some tweets and emails that suggest it has happened at least once or twice. There is a top-level professional sports team that right now is offering to pay for the public transportation costs of its fans traveling to and from its home games. And this is not just for season ticket holders. This is for anybody who's willing to take public transportation to and from this top-level pro sports team's games. More on that story, what team it is, what sport it is, and some of the other details with a last call for your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Next on The David Glenn Show. The head devil David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody at another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A Duke fan thinks I'm overreacting to the Blue Devils' losses at unranked NC State and at unranked Wake Forest. That one just last night, of course. Last call for your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Darren, do you think I would utter such an observation with nothing to back it up? Am I wired that way? I mean, really? (laughs) I understand that Duke is still a dangerous team coached by one of the greatest of all time. I would want Trey Jones as my point guard. I would like Vernon Carey Jr. as my big man. I would like Cassius Stanley as my wing player. Come March Madness, there are not many teams that I will like more than I will like the Blue Devils. However, I have covered all five NCAA title teams at Duke, and I'm not telling you as a matter of opinion I mention this all the time. Of course, we get into a lot of subjectivity on this show. And unless you have an indefensible point of view, I'm not going to make fun of you for it. If you disagree with my opinion and you can back up your opinion, God bless America. I mean, variety is the spice of life. We're not supposed to agree on everything, but you should have something to back up your point of view. I also like to sprinkle in among my opinions and yours from every town, large and small across North Carolina. We get callers from more than 300 North Carolina cities and towns on this show. I like to sprinkle in facts, not only to use them to back up my own opinion, but just for informative purposes. And I'm telling you, I followed all of those NCAA title teams under Coach K. Yes, they lost a game or two in February. They did not lose by 22 at unranked NC State or by double digits at unranked Wake Forest. I remember these teams. I was a young guy in the early 1990s when Bobby Hurley and Christian Leitner and Grant Hill went back to back, given Coach K his first two. And I actually looked it up to make sure I wasn't losing my mind. Again, I'm not uttering these things the way others in our industry might do that. The 1991 Devils lost twice in the month of February. One of those two was to a top 10 Arizona team. They sprinkled in a non-conference challenge in February. There's no reason to reach for the panic button if you lose at a top-10 opponent, period, any year, any team, any coach, any circumstances. You usually lose on the road to a top-10 opponent, right? So there were one or two stubbings of the toe down the stretch, and then the Devils rallied. But there was not two losses to unranked teams. As Coach K said last night, game number 28 means you're not supposed to look young anymore. In those five NCAA title seasons, there were no such losses, meaning more than one. Five years ago, do you know how many times Duke lost after the month of January when they won it all with Jaleel Okafor and Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow and Quinn Cook and those guys? Do you know how many games they lost once the calendar turned from January? Once. They lost to Notre Dame in the ACC tournament semifinals. Remember, the Irish won it that year for Mike Bray. They didn't lose the rest of the month of February at all. And they didn't lose the rest of the month of March at all as they cut down the Nets in 2015. In 2010, the other most recent title for Coach K at Duke, they lost how many times after the end of January in 2010? Once. It was at a top 25 Maryland team back when Maryland was still a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So those are your two most recent titles. Only one loss in either case after the calendar turned from January. That's a lot of basketball, folks. That's all of February and all of March, and it even trickles into April sometimes. They had one loss to anybody in those two years. One was to the ACC Champs Notre Dame five years ago and the only loss after January 10 years ago it was at a top 25 Maryland team coached by Gary Williams, man. Those are not bite your fingernails, what's going on, why aren't we older, why aren't we better losses. Those are, man, we just lost to a really good team that's on a roll, let's pick, let's pick ourselves up and get back at it, which is exactly what they did on their way in 2015, on their way in 2010 to the national championship. Those teams, folks, were 15-3 and three in conference play in one case, 13-3 and three in conference play in the other case. The Blue Devils' record will not be quite as dominant this year. They're now 13-4 with three games to play. Now, they'll be favored in all three of those. Maybe they win. We'd all bet on them to beat State and Carolina at Cameron. I think at Virginia is the trickier call. But their best possible regular season conference record would be 16 and 4, and there's every a decent chance that they will be 15 and 5. That's still good basketball. They, they would still have only five or six losses as they head to Greensboro. It is not quite the dominant basketball that they've played in their national title seasons. When they won it all in 1992, they were 34 and 2. When they won it all five years ago, they were 35 and 4. And they were not suffering back-to-back road losses to unranked teams. Not back-to-back, but you know what I mean. At NC State, at Wake Forest, within a span of a couple weeks. Those are just uncharacteristic Duke losses by Mike Krzyzewski's championship standards. And you could hear some of the frustration even in his voice. If you don't want to believe my opinion with the facts to back it up. Coach K, quote, you'd hope we'd be older by now, but we were not that tonight. We show our youth so much in these games, including at Clemson, including the home loss to Louisville, including last night at Wake Forest. The one thing I promised, and then we'll squeeze in a call or two if we can. I have not seen this before, but again, there are apparently one or two examples from elsewhere in the history of American sports, but only that many. Seattle is getting an expansion franchise in the National Hockey League. I haven't been there a lot in my life, but I hear bad things about the traffic. Usually think about traffic. Darren, what do you think of? I think of New York City. I think of L.A. Yeah. And as someone who travels north to see my family in Pennsylvania or Maria's family in New York, I'm telling you, man, that stretch outside of D.C. is as bad as I've ever seen yeah. in any world city I have ever visited. Others others around us would complain, like, about Atlanta. But if you've been to any of the other three, then it, it pales in comparison. Yeah. I did not know that Seattle, apparently by Northwest standards, is known for a really, really bad traffic congestion. I did not know that. Well, Seattle's expansion franchise, which does not even begin until 2021, their first season will be the 2021-22 20, season. So we got a whole full year before they even joined the National Hockey League. However, they announced yesterday, I don't even think they have a nickname yet, do they? Well, they have a policy even before they have a team nickname. They call themselves NHL Seattle. I guess they haven't gotten that far in their market research yet. They announced late yesterday that they will, quote, fully subsidize public transit costs for any fan, whether you go to a single game or you're a season ticket holder. They are working with the city and other authorities downtown. They're going to invest $7 million in upgrades for the monorail system. Sounds like Disney World but it's part of Seattle's public transit system. It was originally built, the Seattle Monorail, for the World Fair of 1962, long before even I was born. Traffic has become a problem, and apparently there are one or two other examples in American sports history of this offer. That's pretty cool. If you take public transportation, I mean, I'm a Cane season ticket holder. I don't take public transportation to games, but that would be pretty cool. 41 home games each direction. I'm getting everything paid for, and I don't have to worry about parking either. That's a pretty compelling offer, especially if you're a season ticket holder. File it away. There's all sorts of partnerships between cities and pro sports franchises. This is taking it to the next level. We'll see how many others join that fight. NHL Seattle the latest to add its name to that list. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance, and I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon, Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program.
1: And come,
0: they come. Thanks to Wake Coach Danny Manning for dropping by after the big celebration in Winston-Salem last night. Sarah Sivian, always fun on the NHL and the Canes. Jerry Palm, bracketologist with the Wolfpack and others still bubblelicious. TV picks for tonight include a lot of college basketball. If the pro game is more your flavor, you have an ESPN NBA doubleheader. Grizzlies at Rockets early, Celtics at Utah late. College hoops options, man. You got St. John's Villanova and Georgetown Marquette in the Big East. You got Rutgers, Penn State, and Maryland, Minnesota in the Big Ten. UVA at Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Pitt, and Notre Dame, B.C. in the ACC. And do not forget in our backyard – Greensboro Coliseum hosts two of the best teams in the SOCON tonight. So it's Furman at UNCG. Shout out to James Dickey and the other seniors. It is Senior Night for the Spartans. Enjoy those games. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say... Uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.